you don't enjoy something, you will not give it the best that you can, right? It's it's like anything in the world. If you don't enjoy doing something, you'll give it your half-hearted attempt. But if you choose to reframe social media in a different way, which is that actually, I want to use this as a tool to like meet new people or I don't know, you use it in a different way that you're thinking about it, then you'll enjoy it more. So yeah, so I didn't go on social media thinking, I want to create a platform. I just wanted to go on there and meet some really cool people. And and that's what I've done. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. I was talking with the spouse of a patient in the quiet moments toward the end of a day. The conversation somehow wound its way around to marketing and Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I hadn't previously put those two ideas together, and I got a sort of catalytic spark of excitement that you yourself might also experience when two previous disparate ideas snap together in a way that you didn't expect. If you've taken any psychology course, you've likely been introduced to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which basically states that the lower order physiological needs like food, shelter, and water, they need to be present before you can begin to inhabit higher levels, like a sense of safety and belonging, and from there, reach into yet higher levels where there are opportunities for self-actualization and even transcendence. Now, some of you might find the idea of hierarchy is more related to power and oppression. And while that also can be the case in certain situations, there are also the hierarchies that bespeak a kind of development and function. We know from our study of Chinese medicine that if you don't have certain fundamentals, say enough qi and blood, then it's going to be very hard to get quality sleep and have a stable and vibrant shen. And that to be able to manifest aspects of your jing that hold potential, you need to have certain resources and experiences to bring it into manifestation. The thing that caught my attention in this conversation with my patient spouse was how if we are operating at a particular level of Maslow's hierarchy, then we can connect well with others at that level or lower, but it's harder to connect with those above. We know something about the power of residence from our clinical work. And if you look into your experience, you'll probably notice that it's easier to feel an affinity for those who are working with the issues you're working with or have the experience of having worked through them. It's a little more difficult to connect with those that are further along the learning curve if we don't have that life experience as well. It's more difficult to have empathy for those who don't share similar challenges and triumphs. And this is why marketing, not just for an acupuncture practice, but for any business, can be hard. Because it's difficult looking across the stratas of Maslow's hierarchy of needs to see what the other person is seeing that you don't see or to grasp what the other person believes that you don't believe, or understand what the other person wants that you don't want at all. All of you listening to this are lucky. You're living high enough on Maslow's hierarchy that you have a nice device that tunes in this podcast. You've been able to acquire an education that allows you to either study or practice Chinese medicine. We're living pretty well. We're fortunate. 
But that does not mean that we might not have parts of our personality or being that are still stuck at lower levels. We might indeed at times be struggling day to day with getting our needs met at basic physiological levels, or there might be aspects of our relationship lives that are unstable. Really, it's not that we finish one level and we're done with it for life. It's more that we have greater bandwidth to move between those levels, that we might have enough empathy to see another from their point of view, and enough ego strength of our own so that you can understand another's beliefs or their perspectives without abandoning your own or demand that they think more like you do. This is one of the keys to being able to effectively market and promote your business. And it turns out, it's not a bad way to connect with your patients and clinic as well. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
I love how technology can help to automate my office, and I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. For a long time, I found that computer technology is one of the more interesting tools in the kit. Nothing short of magic, really, especially if you grew up without it. But some of the modern applications that loosely fall under the social media rubric, it's like a set of tools that, for me, came with a set of instructions that I can't quite puzzle out. It's a media that seems to take the very worst of our human tendency towards tribe and stereotype and throw some gasoline and a match on it. And yet, at the same time, I'm aware that social media can be connective, used to create community, and be a venue to connect like-minded people all over the world. When I see an example of somebody using social media well and in a thoughtful fashion, it brings on a feeling of relief and makes me wonder if I might yet be able to learn to navigate these technologies that bring out the best and the worst in us. I came across Andrea Jewhurst's The Channel Project and appreciated her distilled simplicity around explaining Chinese medicine. The Instagram canvas is small, and it's not easy to stand out from the cacophony of color, image, and motion that makes up pretty much anyone's Instagram feed, and yet the channel project caught my attention. And it caught my attention because of its simplicity and generous use of space. It wasn't reaching out to grab my attention, but instead invited me in. We sat down for a conversation about Instagram medicine, and navigating the waters of social media. I learned a lot, and I hope you will as well. Let's get into this conversation with Andrea. Andrea Jewhurst, welcome to Geological. Wow, my gosh, I am so humbled to be here. I feel like if this was on my mood board, if I'd have ever made one of those, this would have been up there. Really? On a podcast with you. Yeah, for sure. Why? I mean, because for me, I mean, I can't speak for everybody else, but I think that the guests that you have on, the knowledge that you impart, obviously the subject matter is um, is just so wonderful. And so I feel really honored to be to be asked to be on here and uh and follow along some great people. So yeah, that's why, really. I love the podcast. Well, I'm glad you love the podcast. Do you know what the secret sauce is to the podcast? No, the, probably the sound quality. I well, feel. the sound quality helps. It doesn't hurt. 
Here's the secret to the podcast. I, th- I think this is the secret sauce. I could be wrong, but I think the secret sauce is I find people that are simply busy in their work. They're simply busy in their practices. They're just taking Chinese medicine and doing it. They're not particularly luminaries. They may, they may or may not teach. You may or may not ever have heard of them, but they're just folks like you and me. We're just, you know, we love this stuff. We're doing this stuff. There's all these amazing people in our profession who are just doing the work and you never hear from them because most of us are a little bit on the shy side or we don't want to get out in front in public. I mean, there are the people that like to be in public. Okay. You know, and they go the mosh pit, they, you know, you know, all that (laughs) stuff. Right. I'm like mosh pit. I'm you know, like, where's the exit? So I was going to say, I normally leave by 10 PM at pretty much anything. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out the back door too. Yeah. So really it's me thanking you for, you know, showing up for a conversation here. This is, this is what makes the podcast so much fun. I know. And you know, it is so good to come to a conversation where the other half reciprocates how much you love Chinese medicine. <laughs> Cause you know, when you talk to your friends and family who, who maybe don't love it as much, you know, it doesn't matter how passionate you are. They're just not as interested. Yes, well, right? So they, they love you, but they think you're a wackadoodle. <laughs> yeah. We love you. That Chinese medicine thing, we don't quite get it, but we love you. Exactly. So it's actually just a really nice conversation to come where I don't feel like I'm boring somebody to death, really, with with all the things that I've got to say about it. Yeah. So we are connected because of something that I hate, actually, which is social media. I really don't like it. I'm not a fan. Podcast is on it because it's 2021. Thank goodness we have the wonderful Renee Clorman who facilitates the uh, Instagram feed for Geological. Because if it was up to me, you know, sporadically you'd get pictures of my cats. That'd be it. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Go look at the older f- part of the feed and, and, and you'll see. Well, that's what it looked like when Michael did it, right? Past couple of months, it's been really looking good. Um, but you're on Instagram and you are rocking Instagram. I mean, it looks like you love it. It looks like you have fun. You've been very generous with this particular platform in sharing with people your journey of learning medicine. And now as a practitioner, you are generous in sharing how the medicine can be helpful to people. And I suspect it's not bad for your business too. I mean, you know, when I first started using social media or or Instagram in particular, really for this, it's that I needed a way to have in my pocket 24-7 a way of being able to learn Chinese medicine. And, um, you know, I went back to school when I was 37 and I had really genuinely forgotten how to learn. Um, I was uh, an average school kid, like I did averagely. But, you know, when you come back to a school when you really want to learn and learn the best possible way, I had to actually not only learn Chinese medicine, I had to learn a way that I could learn it. And I was also very similar. I had an Instagram page before this one that featured my kids or my dog or, you know, it, it was, it was, it was very low key and just, it was just family. But when I first started learning, I was like, I have this opportunity to, to use a tool that can be with me all the time, right? And that's kind of really just 
you know, there are many, many downfalls of social media. But for me personally, this was not one of them. Like, I met people who were studying in Australia, in the States, in South America, in Europe. And we just went through this whole learning together. Uh, so, yeah, for me, social media, yeah, I mean, it, and it doesn't hurt either that obviously I've been able to connect with loads of local people as well, <laughs> who I hope that one day may use me as an acupuncturist. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really grown into something that I, I wasn't kind of expecting, but in a, in a good way, in a good yeah. way it went there. Well, so many things in life are like that. We start out on something. We have no idea where it's going to take us. We find something along the way we would have never otherwise discovered. It, it's one of the cool things about life in general, and especially about taking a leap of faith and doing something like you did, which is go to school at the age of 37 and go do something different. The thing that, that I find really fascinating, and I get this piece about needing to not just learn the medicine, but learn how to learn the medicine, because I was in my 30s, like mid-late 30s. I think it was 36 when I went back to Chinese medicine school. Uh, and so there was that piece about how do I learn this stuff? I'd learned plenty of other things, but how do I learn this stuff, which is so different from other things that I'd done? Here, you had a resource that I never had. Social media, like you can have colleagues and classmates all over the world. It sounds like you used Instagram to connect with other people who were in the process of learning. Yeah. And, you know, there are lots of, as we know, lots of lineages of Chinese medicine and there's a lot of nuance as well. You know, we don't have a, a literal translation of, of texts that were from thousands of years ago. Even those books that I now use are all nuances of ways that they've read words and how they have put their own English language on top of it. And so what I really like is that actually we can look at something within Chinese medicine, but you may see it slightly differently to me um, because of the way you've been taught and the way your, you know, your masters have taught you. Um, but ultimately, I think that's the really great conversation is that I don't think that maybe we have to agree that both of us are right or wrong. It's just that we have seen something slightly differently, but we may still treat the same. So I felt like opening that up to other people just gave me a bigger chance to learn. And not always, it's not a right or wrong. It's it's a there's nuance to to how we to how we learn. Absolutely. I felt like that was just such a, a beautiful way of doing it is that I originally had set up a Facebook group as well, but I had to get rid of it because it was just social media is obviously a huge uh, hole of just despair when you get into it. But you, I had this case studies Facebook group and I had maybe like 400 people on there and I'd post up a case study and, we'd, you know, go through signs and symptoms. And it was invariably maybe like maybe the same 20, 30 people who would, respond but you know half of those people would come up with something different to what I'd seen or they'd notice something different or asked a different question or just asked it in a different way and yeah I thought that was just amazing I learned so much from it it's good to have friends to 
noodle this stuff over with because like you say, we're trained differently. We have different perspectives. We bring all of our life to this moment and that will give us a particular view on things. Certain aspects of our patients will stand out in three-dimensional relief. You can't miss it. Other aspects, we will be blind to it. It's helpful to have other eyes on it. Yeah, so I, I'd like to still see more of that happening, actually. Just, just general chatting about not particular people, but just, you know, I just I get quite a lot from, from social media where people show me stuff that I'm like, oh, I never would have thought about that. Yeah. So you tried some Facebook. It sounds like that was full of despair. I, un- <laughs> I understand. I, I have a problem going there. I, I really don't use it. Um, like I said, I don't really use Instagram. Excuse me, geological uses Instagram. So yeah. that's, you know, it's kind of cool. You're out there. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, trying to figure out where to be and how to be. So the channel project, which is your Instagram feed, super cool. If y'all haven't seen it, Go check it out. Like, pull up your Instagram and go check it out. It are, have, were you an artist before? No, no. <laughs> no. I mean, I have to thank. There is a tool that I use, and I. I and anytime anyone asks me, I'm like, yeah, I use this tool called Canva. Oh, Canva. And there are people I'm familiar that with are, that. Yeah, there are people out there who actually, you know, can draw and things, but. When you have a very small space to put in a lot of information, you have to be really clear and simple about what you are trying to achieve or what you want to say. And I feel like those squares allowed me uh, a chance to be both really visual, but also just really simple and basic, right? And that's what I always say when people come to my page. Like, there's not going to be anything in there that's like, as much as I I love uh, the theoretical stuff, I, I'm really always just trying to distill it to the absolute most simple it can be. You know, I think when you do have a limited space to do that in, you are kind of quite forced to to be creative about how you do that. So yeah, so no artistic skills. Um, I think my eight-year-old can outdraw me easily. But yeah, I just I you know I have a I have a visual mind, I suppose, and I I borrow images that people use on this Canva or create on this Canva and I just use it in the way that makes sense for me and my brand and like what I want to show and choose to sort of use Um, but no no artistic skills whatsoever but it's a great tool and I sort of I created a blog post oh maybe about two years ago just to send out to people like every time they asked I was like look I am not the, you know, look, just this is what you just need to go and do and you can do it too, right? It's just, that's as simple as that really because that's what I always say about how my learning is, is that if I have can do it and distill it down to this, then you can definitely do it and, and feel free to use it. It sounds like you have the ability to curate. You have ideas you know how to take those ideas and distill them down to the essence. And then you found this really awesome tool called Canva. I'm familiar with it. We also use it. It's got all kinds of images. I guess it's got all kinds of templates too. So you're like pulling up templates and, and working off. No, see, I mean, I just have my nice black background. Uh, I was just always very black and white, which I felt to me was was how I always wanted to be seen is that I wanted to just be black and white about what I can do about honesty um 
there was no gray areas in that way. So I just have a very simple black background and I just put some text and a few pictures on there and just try and make it as as tight as like as less wordy as possible but often you know chinese medicine is it's not these books are not light for no, these you books know. are not like you know this is funny <laughs> you just say i try to make it not wordy <laughs> yeah. I, I, but this is the thing this is the thing that i think is so important and so many of us fail at it with chinese medicine we fail miserably because our patients will ask us a very simple question and we end up spewing Chinese 101 at them. That, I think, with very rare exceptions, is not helpful. People don't want Chinese medicine 101. They want to understand enough that they can feel like, I can trust this person who's about to stick a needle in me. They don't need to understand at all. No. So I, I, I think your ability here, and I, and I think other people could could take a look at this and maybe learn something that would help them in communicating with their patients, you can take something and distill it down, lose nothing of the essence, but really clarify it. You know, like like a good whiskey. <laughs> I don't drink, but I'll take my, my, for example, when I look at the yin organs, I have, uh, I mean, this imagery works for me, right, but not for everybody. So last year I created what I felt were the, the yin organs. So, Jeff Bezos or Amazon is the liver, and Hope, what was her name? Uh, she was I can't, she was Donald Trump's PR assistant. Uh, she was the lung. Um, Jeff Bezos's uh, assistant, whose name I can't remember now. I can't, the guy, he's a uh, looks really similar to Jeff Bezos actually. He was the spleen, and for me, it was this way of being able to, you know. When I talk about the liver, you know, to a patient or whatever, I'm not talking about the Western equivalent of when they think of the liver. I'm talking about the Jeff Bezos of this, you know, this world. And and actually people have seen it and been like, oh, you know, that is just an interesting way to look at it, right? And it means that when I do speak to a patient, because for me, going back to the black and white thing, a lot through like student clinic, we were told don't like give out way too much information because people aren't interested. Now, I agree to it to a certain extent, but I think what I noticed in the student clinic is that we were meeting people who maybe had lived with conditions for an excess of 10 years, right? Um, and they were coming because acupuncture is kind of like maybe in the UK a bit more, kind of one of the last places people go for healthcare. Kind of the same thing here in the States. Yeah, and so we were talking to these people and and you're listening and you're like, wow, you've lived with something for 10 years or plus and you feel like you've not been listened to by your GP or like because no nobody really knows what to do with you, right? So for me, I don't want to overwhelm somebody, but I do want them to make a a choice, right? I want them to be informed enough that they – are making an informed choice in, yeah, letting somebody stick a needle in them, right? I mean, it's down to me personally to come up with a way to explain to somebody why I'm treating them for what I'm what they've come for, right? Um, so I've always slightly disagreed with this idea that, you know, we don't tell them, give them the whole chapter and verse. That I do understand, but I always felt like it was down to me to come up with the simple way to 
or a clearer way maybe mm. of of being of saying right this is what what I'm going to do for you today Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Yeah, I, I, think we, I think we need some metaphors that help us to connect with our patients, to be able to speak to them in some way that they get it that we see them. Yeah. That we understand what their issues are, that we have a method and some ideas for how that might help. And to be able to say it in a way where they go, well, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Poke away. You know, I, and I love too <laughs> what, <laughs> I love what you were just saying about uh, the Ian organs and, uh, and Jeff Bezos as the liver, because I, I, I've had this thing, it's just like in the back of my mind. It's like a little writing project I have actually. I've just been I've been working on this. Because in our profession we talk about, oh, you know, the liver is the general and the, you know, and the spleen is the ministry of grains. <laughs> None of us talk that way. In fact, most of us hate the military. It's like, oh, the liver is the general. And most of us are like, general, fuck the general. Yeah. We don't like those guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So the metaphors are important. Yeah. And and it's in it's in the Chinese culture, it's in the Chinese language, all that's there. Great. But how can we make it real today? And it this is hilarious because I've been again in a little writing project of mine going through this. The liver in my mind is Amazon. Not just Jeff Bezos, it's Amazon. Why is it Amazon? Because it's the ultimate in logistics. That's what the general's about. They see yeah. where it is. They take it where it needs to go. The flow of chi has to move. If your Amazon package is a day late, dude, people get chi constraint. Yeah. I really love that you've thought of it as well as Amazon. Because I was, when I think about it, I'm like, well, it, all those warehouses, they store these vital substances. And, you know, you just think, you just think, and it's exactly that, right? And And when things start to go wrong, it gets angry, and I, I don't know if it's this, again in the same in the states, but we've had quite a few documentaries about Amazon and workers' rights, and you know they're made to work for like ten hours straight, and they can't go to the bathroom during that time. To me, it just feels like Amazon, like liver and Amazon. Just it just feels so good to me the the pairing. It, it kind of fits, so I, you know. And again, we're talking about taking the stories and the understanding of Chinese medicine, turning it into something that's digestible, 
in modern life, right? Yeah. You know, through stories, through metaphors, through the work that you do with with images and a small amount of words. Yeah. I mean, I've sort of, I did actually recently make a, a, not an announcement, but I was like, you know, look, I've been through my three years of studying and I realized that this is just the start, but I was like, my page is going to move away from more of the like, how I learned about the yin organs or because I, I now need to look at my audience in a different way, right? Like before I wanted to connect with other acupuncture students and and I hope that those all still hang around. But now it's like, I want to take those concepts and use it in a way that a patient might be like, actually, I want to give this a try. I want to, I don't want acupuncture to be at the end of a very long list of other modalities that people will try before they come to us. And, you know, that again is where social media is, it could be great. I mean, I've only ever had one run in with somebody from a classical Chinese uh, lineage who didn't like how I would explain things. But for the most part, I think I really wish, as you said right at the very beginning, as a profession, mainly, maybe a lot of us are slightly more leave at 10 p.m. than be in the mosh pit. But social media to me is 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 like is just normalizing what we do, right? Mm. Or it can be. It It could be a channel for that. I want people to know that if they have a bad back, they don't need to go. Like they could go to see an acupuncturist. It doesn't have to be me. But let's not make ourselves the end of the line of like all these things that they will have tried. And I try and answer all the hard questions as well. Like, you know, I recently I've just created a post about what happens when acupuncture doesn't work because I want this sort of narrative like to be commonplace I'm not a miracle um and whilst I think acupuncture is amazing I, I want to be able to like just talk to people in just a regular way about what it is that we do yes well um, and other people you know people who are looking for your services my service you know our services all y'all's yeah. listening there they have that question in the back of their mind a lot of stuff hasn't worked that's why I'm thinking acupuncture okay what if acupuncture doesn't work I think as an acupuncturist, being able to address that and talk about that early on builds massive amount of trust because the person knows that you are there to help them, hopefully with the stuff that you've got. But if your stuff doesn't work or isn't that helpful, you got their back. You got people yeah. to refer them to. You've got other ideas. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like that's, you know, and and I, I like building that community of, and you know, it doesn't have to be all acupuncturists. I mean, it, it just having that community of people to be like, I don't think acupuncture is the right thing for you, but hey, here's X, Y, and Z. And, and, and I, I thoroughly believe that, you know, if I can't help you that they might be able to. So um, I, I just, I now use my page in a slightly different way, but I hope still in a way that acupuncturists will still get something out of it which is that I'm sort of you know putting myself up there a little bit for being like you know these are the questions that your patients might ask these are the answers we might want to give them like this well is... and here's another way that acupuncturists could find your work helpful they can look at how you're communicating with patients and think about maybe I could do something similar in my own way with social media a lot of us aren't that keen on social media. Many of us are. I mean, I, you know, I 
browse through the Instagram feed on occasion. Some people are super into it, which is, you know, I mean, good for them. But a bunch of us aren't. For those of us that aren't really that into social media, you know, we're not in the mosh pit. We're like leaving at 10 o'clock, maybe 930 if we're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, talk to me a little bit about what social media is good for. It's like, like, how does it help? For people that are thinking, maybe I should do this, but I don't even know where to begin, or even if I should possibly waste all my time, yeah, um, I, what, 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 what have you found that's helpful? What could you say to you know, folks like me? Oh, see, I um, interestingly, I have just had an article uh, uh, published. We have a, a, as part, so I belong to the British Acupuncture Council in um in the uk and they have a magazine called uh acu which is probably not that unsurprising and i actually did write a uh article to submit to them because i totally realized that there's lots of people and regardless of what business you're in right uh there are some people who just cannot get on board with that with that social media and i wrote this article in a in a moment of like inspiration and I actually spelt it out using the uh acupuncture so you'll forgive me if I go through but Mm. I mean it's kind of like I sort of I was trying to address it in the way that I don't believe that social media is necessary for everything right I if you know that your patients come to you through word of mouth like 90% of your patients come to you through word of mouth I don't think you need to be posting on social media like every day or, but I always think with all of these things, people are much more tech savvy now. Like, so my granddad, he's in his mid eighties. He reads reviews on the computer. Okay. So if you don't feel like social media is for you, you can still have like a Google my business page, which is kind of like a form of social media and ask your patients to maybe give you a review. If that felt like that was something you could do. I just think that you need to have some online presence because people want to get a validation for their choice. Um, And so, you know, obviously they may not even look, I I don't for a minute believe that someone searches for an acupuncturist on Instagram. Like I don't think they, they type in acupuncturist near me on Instagram and, but I don't know. That I, would be an interesting experiment to run. Well, I think that they are looking into this idea of being able to add like a near me function. But like, you know, what they do is they they go on to, let's face it, it's probably Google, um, and type in acupuncturist near me, and then they get five at the top. Undoubtedly, they'll visit each of those web pages, and they'll want to see someone who is active and knowledgeable and you know, has a presence. And I'm not saying it needs to be like a all singing or dancing, but I think that people, uh, consumers are, if I want to call them that, they, they, they're careful with their money. Of and course. so by, and I, you know, I think you're 100% spot on because I know for myself, I could be recommended to somebody. I'm going to go look at their website. I want to go see what do they have to say about themselves. Yeah. I mean, reviews are one thing. I, I, I'm lukewarm on reviews. 
because that can be so easily gamed. But yeah, what's really interesting about reviews is when there's a bad review and you see the response of the person. Yeah, because then you really get to see you know it kind of tests their mettle. But um, I like to see that someone is a professional, like truly a professional before I go to see them. And the website is going to tell you something about that. When I go and I see a website and it looks like it's from 2002, I'm really put off. It's like you, it, they may be amazing practitioners, but it looks to me like they just don't polish their shoes. You know, I mean, sometimes you meet someone and, and you hear they're great and then you kind of look at, well, they kind of disheveled. Their hair's not cut very well. You know, they, they walk funny. You know what I mean? I feel that way about builders' vans. Like when I see a builder and he turns up and he's come from a recommendation and then I look inside of his van and he's got like six months worth of like takeaway in his van right. cab. I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. No. I mean, if that's how you leave your van, that's how you're going to leave my house. <laughs> so it's like. Ex exactly. So exactly. It's like I housekeeping. It's, it's housekeeping. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I've. I actually this just this week I've put up a post about what my costs are and and what I've done is is basically say why my costs are what they are right so uh for for an hour it's 65 pounds but I've been able to break down for people because this is the sort of stuff that interests me I I know how much is for my sick pay how much is for my tax how much is for my equipment but then also I factored in this stuff like social media that is not a paid part of my job but I have to do it because I want to market my business in the best possible light right so my 65 pounds actually incorporates like an amount for the unpaid time that I'm not with a patient um, and then I think that you are then not chasing your tail as much right because I'm like right I know I've factored in that I need to do this and and I and I my my costs will cover that. Um so I, I think personally, I mean and lots of lots of people I've seen recently say the time and effort that they put into social media for the amount of clients they get back is not comparable. And I always just say, look, you you can only know your clients and where they come from. But part of social media, I think, is as well, is just understanding, like, your patient. And I don't think there can be anything wrong with that, right? Is that I know the, the demographic of the places that I plan to work in. So I know their age. I know their, like, ethnicity. I know their, you know, house price. <laughs> it sounds a bit like stalkers. But, you know, I <coughs> – sorry, my uh, throat's about to give out. I know who my patients are that are coming to me. So in the act of like creating the social media that is useful for them, I'm also doing a load of market research for myself because are they going to be fertility clients? Well, I I live in a really, uh, in a town outside of London where lots of people tend to leave London when they want to start having kids, right? I mean, I'm not saying that they will all be fertility, but Mm -hmm. They're of a certain age. So actually, there's probably quite a lot of women now who will be, be coming up to like menopause or there's a really big active runners group in our area. Am I going to get a load of like runners who want to be put back together and, and able to do these? So 
maybe just looking at your social media in a different reframe is... I'm curious here, how did you learn to think like this? How did you learn to think about business in a way that like, what kind of house do they have? What's their mortgage? What kind of car do they drive? What kind of shoes do they wear? You know, many of us go into the business side of it just like, well, hope this is going to work because I got some loans to pay off and I hate business, but I'm going to do this anyway because I kind of got to. You, on the other hand, sound like you have taken a deep dive into wow, who are these people and where do they come from and what's their life look like? Were you like in marketing in a, in a past life or where does this come from? I um, So previous to being an acupuncturist, I used to work for a really big travel company. Um, I'll never know if I – it was Expedia. So they've got like worldwide something like 25,000 employees. And I was based in their London office for 10 years. And um, they, I learned such a lot from just being a bystander in that business because their whole ethos was test and learn. They were constantly testing what they were putting out there and learning from it. And I feel like it gave me such a strong foundation Excuse yes. me while I took another you... drink. And um, it was such a strong foundation to like, you know, they didn't just run with something just because, you know, they'd spent some money on it. They tested it a little bit and then they looked at the numbers and then they were like, right, has this made a difference? I mean, sometimes we'd sit in on these meetings and they would honestly change the color of a button on a website and look at how their user interacted with that color change. So, I mean, I'm talking about like minutia detail that they would go size into. Size of the font, the font they, yeah. family, location yeah. and know, placement. Yes, all yeah. that A-B testing. I mean, this is not far off of like where Google are, right? You know, they can, they know where you're going to visit. They know where you're... And and mine's on a really, really, really minute scale of that, which is that my con- my patient interests me, like uh, where they come from. Uh, you know, this isn't. I think I am really lucky to have two feet in one in one camp and one in another because I realise sometimes when I talk like this that this may not be everyone's background coming from a, a, a from a business background. Um, but to me, being an acupuncturist is everything. But if I can't make money from being the acupuncturist, I need to go and get a job. I, I need to go and stack shelves or, or you know, go back to Expedia or, or you know, whatever that looks like. Um, this needs to be a viable, you know. I, I do admit that I went, I'd like applied for acupuncture college and they were like, well, we're full for this year and it'll be next September. I was like, that's great. I can save. I can work really hard for a year. And and then a month later they rang and they were like, oh, someone's dropped out. Can you start in September? I was like, yeah, great. So I started a course for three years that I didn't actually have any – I didn't know if it was going to take me anywhere. You know, you can love something and, and not know if you can make a living from it, right? And, uh, yeah, so 
I realise that in some ways I've completely gone against every sort of business A-B testing that you would ever imagine happening. But, you know, when you're passionate about something, you're like, I can make this work. I can make this work. I get the passion piece. And I think a lot of people listening to this right now, they get the passion piece. I, I think many of us do. Why else would you go do something crazy like Chinese medicine when you could find all kinds of other ways to live your life? This is not the easiest path to follow. So I get the passion piece, and, and a passionate life is worth living. And I get the, hey, I'll figure it out on the way. Here's the thing that that gets tricky is all the things that you have to learn or unlearn and all the obstructions that you put in your own path and all the ways that you have to change your own mind to actually make it work in the long run. Yeah. I suspect, you know, even going back to that thing about being shy or wanting to, you know, it's it's a lot to meet a lot of people in a day if you're seeing patients. And and you you even talked about it earlier as well. We have this history that we bring with us, right? And I think that we are having to unlearn and learn a lot of new lessons because we have to both have this relationship with a patient that is, when I say relationship, obviously not an inappropriate one, but like, you know, where we are working with them to to help them. But yes, we also have our own stuff that we have to work through at the same time and also go out there and make sure we have a viable business. So we've almost got like three parts to ourselves that we have to split into as an acupuncturist. It's the like business side, the acupuncturist side, and then there's just the human side to yourself. I think that's right. That sounds right. And and with those three, and we've seen, you know, you see this in nature, you see it all in all kinds of places. Triangles are the most stable form that there is. And, and, you know, your own personal development, skill with the medicine, skill with business. That makes for a really stable practice over time. But I think you have to keep working on all three bits oh, of that, of right? All the, yeah. So it's, I, you know, I actually did a, a talk um, at our conference and I, I called it. It was like, I was like, you know, uh, when my acupuncture didn't work and I talked about this huge failure that I'd had in the the student clinic and and actually everyone was so gracious afterwards because they were just like you know what you actually came through was a huge learning curve which will actually ultimately hope make you a better practitioner and a better human and a better business person all three of those things were going to be touched just by this one patient you know I had described as their treatment as a huge failure but actually those three points of the triangle were all covered um and I, now I can go back and, and look and be like wow I learned so much about those three things about myself and the business and and the treatment that I'm going to live with that forever I, I mean not in a bad way but just in a really positive like I'm going to remember this forever which it, when you're learning a lot of things at sometimes it's these really poignant moments where you're like I literally am going to remember this forever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there are certain pivotal moments. They fundamentally change you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> so the working it out piece, I, I want to spend a little bit more time with that. 
I have joked with friends along the way, oh yeah, we'll do X, Y, Z. How much trouble could that get us into? <laughs> How hard could that be? Well, you often find out pretty damn hard <laughs> yeah. or maybe a lot of trouble. It, yeah. And it's part of the process. I don't think there's any way around it, especially if you're going to lean on your passion. I got passion and I'll find a way. You're asking for trouble. In some ways, you're asking for it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's going to come your way. How do you work with those moments where it's like, yep, here's the trouble I asked for? <laughs> <laughs> and I hear your laugh, so you know what I'm talking about, right? It's a, it's a real nervous laugh now. Honestly, I mean, I just genuinely think that I qualified in July. I I cannot take, I cannot do more than just be like each day just trying to do the thing that, but I don't know what, yeah, yeah, I don't really know the answer if I'm honest. I don't know. I might as well be honest. I, I'm not sure like what, how that's all going to, how that would all play out. Yeah. But let me ask it another way. Mm. When you run into stuff that's really difficult. Yeah. Like that case that you had in the clinic. How do you work your way through it? What, what resources do you tend to lean on? So I, like I said, I really believe in the community and it doesn't have to be an acupuncture community. I think that we, as a group of students who came through our three years together, we have bonds within that that are open and honest and and trustworthy. And, you know, we are going to have people or cases or things that crop up that you can't even conceive of, right? And and it's and it is having those people, those human elements that we have built that you can be like, I've made a mistake and I need to either talk through this or, you know, even just writing this presentation, you know, I wrote this presentation and I was like, oh, damn, I, I know that I should have done this when I, when I was treating her because I reviewed what I'd looked at, but from six months later and already I had a different outlook on it because I was more removed from it you're not in the middle of sitting next to somebody and, and then they're telling you something and, and your mind's just completely blown and what are you going to do? Um, so I think, you know, it is the people, it's about giving yourself time to review how could you have done something better or differently or even just like going through those case notes. Like I said, I, I actually now draw out a timeline and it was so interesting because I'd made this diagnosis for this person and I treated her for like 10 times and I didn't really change my diagnosis that much. And then I looked at the case studies again and when I was doing this presentation and I was like, I think she started with a, a, a like an excess, not a deficiency. So I was like, I was never clearing her excess to start with. I was just always working on her deficiency and, and I'll be completely frank and honest. I mean, my pulse taking is, is the same way that I lead my whole Instagram. It's just simple. Like I'm like, is it fast? Is it slow? Is it deep? It's, you know, I've read the Bob Flores book. I even wrote a pulse post to, you know, all the beautiful pictures that I, I can't get it, but I, and her tongue was pale, but 
do you know, I actually felt like when I reviewed that, I was like, I didn't clear her excess. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I just worked on the deficiency. So I think that, you know, review the people around you. You just have to be honest. That's my biggest learning, I think, from my whole 40 years is that just about being honest about everything is just so much easier. Like, it's just, there's no false modesty. I tell everyone with ears. I'm like, I've only just qualified, but if you'd like to have a treatment with me, then I will give it the best that I have. But you could go down the road to him and he's got 20 years experience and I totally get it. <laughs> so, In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. So it sounds like you lean on community and you lean on honesty. Yeah. That's where your strength comes from. I hope so. I think that, you know, you can't, you you can be a lone ranger. I think being acupuncturist can be very lonely. It is lonely. I would agree. I think we are lone wolves. In many ways, I think it's so important for us to connect in whatever ways that we can. Our work is deeply intimate with the patients that we see, and yet our lives in some ways are very isolated. Yeah. It's a very curious mix of yin-yang there. You're right. I mean, when you look at it like that, we do have a real, that that seed of each of us. I actually, I think that that's kind of just such a beautiful way of putting it, is that we have that yin and yang within us that requires us to be a whole grounding yin person for our patient. But we've also got this yang aspect that's got to be like, I need something back as well. I need to have my community that understands what I do. Yeah. So, and you're building one. I mean, your Instagram feed is a kind of community. It sounds like in its bones, in its DNA, it was a way that you connected with other people that were learning the medicine. Now that you're a qualified practitioner, it's also a way for you to connect with patients, maybe another way to connect with practitioners. I don't know, maybe you create some other new feed that's specifically for practitioners. There's so many different ways that you could go with that. You've got this really cool platform that allows you to communicate. And so often, I don't know, I I think different people in different decades you know, we come of age and the world looks a certain way, where there's certain ways that 
the world communicates. So, so when I was a kid, I'm really going to date myself here. At one point, when I was in like middle school, my family got a second phone line. That phone line was for the kids. We could gab on that telephone to our friends as long as we wanted. And my folks could still get a phone call to them on the other line because that was before call waiting and answer machines and all that. We had an extra phone, like the kind you hold up to your ear. And that was unbelievable to us. It was It just completely opened up a world. All right, that's me coming of age. There's people coming of age now, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, on and on and on and on and on. The, the methods of communication are all over the place. The point I want to make is we have our ways that we use to connect and communicate with our community. You happen to have done something with Instagram that really has some depth to it. I would love to ask you a few questions about like the platform in the, cause I'm such a beginner and, and again, thank goodness someone else is doing most of this for me at this point, but I still like to understand stuff. So, and I, and I suspect there's people listening to this also thinking like, how do I even get started? What's important? So can I ask you a few questions about that? Yes, sure. Okay. What is supposed to go in that little like about me? Because I'll often see these one word things like, you know, dog mama, yoga lover, um, vegan, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a bunch of little emojis like, (laughs) like Egyptian hieroglyphics. I am sure these emojis are telling a story. I think that's it. Or you're supposed to put in a mo- how, how do you make an introduction is what I'm saying. I'm so confused. I use emojis less frequently. I, I can't make sense. I mean, some people can make actual whole sentences out of them. But I think that this is where actually you have to lean on a wider community is that you know, everything that I've learned about Instagram, I've I've borrowed from another expert, right? From an expert on Instagram or because you can only be an expert in so many things, right? And then everything else you have to borrow from somebody else, use their knowledge, their time. And um, there's actually a, a lady who I follow and she, and she was saying about the importance of those, those lines, right? Because when someone comes to your bio, uh, that's your, that's, that, that's got to tell you in 150 characters or whatever it is, like why you're there. And um, one of the biggest things that annoys me about acupuncturists is we never say where we are. Like I look at some acupuncturists, I'm like, wow, this feed is amazing. I'd love to go and visit them as an acupuncturist. And then they're like in Adelaide. I'm like that bio to me should be like, I want to know where you are. I want to know where your clinic is. Like, are you down the road or are you a flight away so to me the bio and I'm borrowing this from someone else so they said the first line should be what you do so like in a really simple way like it could be just acupuncturist I think mine is currently traveling acupuncturist in Hertfordshire right ah there you are with the local piece very very good yeah so the very first line says what I do where I do it and then the second line because I mean it's actually a bit tricky I don't know if it's the same in the states but because we're not a regulated body here we have to be really careful about what we say we treat um so I've just put the words uh acupuncture facial acupuncture 
pain, gynecology, um, sports, you know, I, I haven't put, I treat these things. I'm just using these words as like almost keywords, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, don't use mine as a, as a, a good biography, but like I said, it's that you have to, as a business person, you have to take those skills from somebody else who is an Instagram specialist. But for me, the bio is really, really important. I, I need to know what you do, where you do it and what you're doing it with. Really. It depends. It depends if you were doing it for a pr- practitioner or geological. Well, at this point, I would be doing it for geological because my clinic, I've been at it long enough that it has wheels on it. Yeah. And I've got a website that I've had for a long time now. It has tremendous Google juice. So, you know, I've just been at it long enough that, that, that there's wheels on that bus. Yeah. I don't have, I just have to like keep changing the oil on it. Yeah. But like you, you know, your your biography could be like number one Chinese medicine podcast. Or I don't know what it says at the minute, but you know what I'm saying. It's like people want to know what it is, what they're going to get from it. What it is and what they're going to get from it. Yeah. Okay. And and if you are a service, where are you going to get it from? That's my my one call out from this podcast is please, if you're an acupuncturist, please put in your biography where you live or where you practice. Such a good idea, especially if they do start going with near me local things. This is this is also a great tip for anyone with their website that on the f- you know in the footer of your website, so it goes on every single page. You need your address, your zip code, your phone number, because then it then you're localized. You don't want to be found on a national search. Trust me, you don't want to be found on a national search because someone from San Diego is going to call me in St. Louis and ask me questions about their health. I don't have time for it. And, and it's completely inappropriate. I want someone from St. Louis calling me. Yeah. yeah. that's. I had just had some lady do my SEO for me and that was one of her biggest tips for me as well is to put location in the footer. That's location, in location, location. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm not done with the emoji piece, though. It's okay. like, what is up with the emojis? Again, I, I came of age in a time when if the kids had a second phone line, you were that was like the internet of its day. So <laughs> I'm an idiot with emojis. What's with, uh, with these lines of emojis? That I don't know. I used, in mine, I used a star. Um, and then at the end, after Hertfordshire, I put a deer. Because uh, a stag is the the emblem of our um, county. So that's why I used the stag on mine. I'm hoping that people would understand that rather than just wondering what that random goat is on the end of my... It would be a local. Um, it would be something locals would get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, you're playing to the locals, they would get that. I know. I want them to know where I am. I mean, there's quite a lot of chat at the minute about hashtags in like Instagram. And again, I'm not an expert in this, but the words that you use within your text, as in not in your picture, in the text thing, they're all keywords, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, and so your biography is exactly the same. If you want a local service, you, you want to have a keyword that suggests that you are where you are, right? Because it all automatically drives a certain person to your page. Yes. So do you think about, the algorithm. You know, people are always talking about the 
algorithm. <laughs> Does that, do you give much thought to that or you, what, what, what's your thought about that? I think, you know, I think when you start small and I mean this in a really, I think when you start small, you kind of, you see the people drop off when you post something and you're like, oh my God, I had like a hundred people and now I've only got 50 because I've put something out there that a picture of your cat or whatever it is and they didn't like it. I worry about it less now. I feel like the algorithm, it's, the algorithm exists to keep you on Instagram, right? So for example, I now started quite regularly writing a blog because I want my website to be up in Google search rather than anything else. It's the best way to get your web page on the first page of Google and in organic search. It's absolutely the best way. So I've been doing this more now. Google does not like you diverting traffic away from Instagram, right? So I have a a website. It's in my bio of my Instagram page. You know, they don't want you sending people off somewhere else, right? So am I worried about the algorithm? I'm never going to beat it. So I can't worry about something that I'm literally never going to beat or understand, right? I, I, I cannot, I, I can't, I'm not smart enough to even understand how they work out what, what comes your way. Um, but I, so no, I don't worry about it because I can't, I can't control it. But that's why for me, social media is one method that you should use for marketing. It shouldn't be the only method that you use, right? Your website is fundamentally something you own you control what goes on there right whereas I can't control I put something out on Instagram I can't control if 10 people or a thousand people are going to see it that's just not down to me so no I don't worry about the algorithm I think it is people will find you if they want to find you and if they can't have a really good website (laughs) Mm -hmm. well I've doubled down on the website piece yeah I mean I have to I spent the whole summer writing a series of different blog posts because that's what's important fundamentally is that when someone types into Google acupuncturist near me, I, I want someone to find me. I mean, they're not going to find me on Instagram. Yes. Well, you know, there's, there, it's a two-step thing to make your phone ring. Number one, they have to find you. Number two, the content on your website has to be compelling and informative and written enough in a human voice mm. that they think, Ooh, I would like to talk to this person. People keep thinking, I want to get on the first page of Google. Yeah, that's one half of it. But if they get to your website and they're like, I don't want this, yeah, it's a waste to click. Although one thing I would say, so I've, it's been on my mind for ages that I wanted to do this like round robin of people checking each other's websites, as in like acupuncturists checking someone else's to be like, hey, this is some suggestions or this is... Because I sort of feel like people don't really, you know, what does good look like? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just make it up as I go along. But what is the gold standard of someone's website? And I'd love to do like an almost like community research of that. But Well, but hang, hang on. Hang on one second here. I, I, I want to throw this in because I think it's important. You mentioned this earlier about for who. Because one person's website might be exactly for that kind of person. Oh, it's got flowers and pretty pictures and images of nature. Oh, that's me. I I love this person. Someone else's website will have pictures of instruments and they'll have things about research and it will look very medical-ish and other people are going to go, yep, that's the thing for me. The website, I think it's like with herbs or acupuncture with anything, 
for whom? When and for whom? Yeah. I I actually was a, yeah, I think that that's probably where I was going to get to is that I actually think I'm not for everybody. I know I'm not for everybody. And you know what else? The people I'm not for, I don't want them to even call me. Yeah. And I'm totally fine with that. I feel like put out some things the other day and like my business cards and someone was like, oh, that's so you. And I was like, that's great because I want someone to pick that up and be like, I don't like this. Like have that sort of visceral reaction or I love this. That's right. Because she is the practitioner for me or she is definitely not the practitioner for me because I'm wasting someone else's time if they don't want to be, you know. Mm. So that's, I I think that's really good point. I think it's essential. Yeah. Because you can't please all the people all the time. No. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Well, this has really been fun hanging out and talking with you about this. Uh, How am I feeling about Instagram right now? After hanging (laughs) out with the Instagram whiz, I feel a little less intimidated, actually, because it sounds like you have a lot of fun and because it sounds like you have used it as a way to curate your curiosity and, and to connect. This is the important thing for me, and to connect with other like-minded people in a way that supports everybody. That's really cool. I hadn't thought of Instagram as a way to do that. That, that totally opens up my mind to all kinds of possibility. It's interesting. When I wrote that paper for our Acu magazine, and acupuncture was the word, and E was for enjoy it, right? I mean, if you don't enjoy something, you will not give it the best that you can, right? It's it's like anything in the world. If you don't enjoy doing something, you'll give it your half-hearted attempt. But if you choose to reframe social media in a different way, which is that actually, I want to use this as a tool to like meet new people or I don't know, you use it in a different way that you're thinking about it, then you'll enjoy it more. So yeah, so I didn't go on social media thinking, I want to create a platform. I just wanted to go on there and meet some really cool people. And and that's what I've done. And maybe that's why I enjoy it so much is that I had just a different frame of reference for what it would do for me. I just wanted to meet people. And and I did. And, and for that, it's been amazing. Yes, evidently that worked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well done. Well, Andrea, anything else that you would like to share with the geological crowd before we say goodbye for today? No, I mean, I think it probably won't be the most uh, theoretically uh, exciting conversation that people will have had. But I think that if they uh, just maybe look at things a bit different, then they may choose to market slightly different as well. And they may just find a different kind of enjoyment out of it. You just put marketing and enjoyment in the same sentence. (laughs) I'd like that. (laughs) All right. Well, again, thanks so much for your time today. This has been a pure joy. Thank you so much. I hadn't thought about using something like Instagram as a way to connect with other students while in the process of learning. The closest we had was a text-based listserv group that allowed those with some tech-savvy and a modem in the mid-1990s to connect and talk about medicine. So I shouldn't be surprised that platforms like Instagram might be helpful in connecting like-minded learners who are in the process of puzzling out the practice of medicine. 
And it's been helpful for me to consider that while social media often brings out the worst in us, it also can be a connective force for helping us to learn and create community around shared values and endeavors. I do still have a big question mark in my mind about how to bring diverse views into a conversation when it's so easy to judge, dismiss, and block others based solely on who they follow or hold a perspective that brings up emotional reactivity. The echo chamber of like-minded individuals is a problem that's yet to be solved. But after this conversation, I've got a smattering of hope that I didn't have before our discussion. And more than ever, I think that when venturing into social media, it's helpful to have a perspective and to know what your purpose is when using these electronic tools that clearly engage us at some rather primal levels. And speaking of Instagram, Geological does have a feed, and our goal is to use it to share the experience and the clinical perspectives of our guests so we can all understand a bit more about the medicine that we share. Check out our Instagram feed at, well, of course, at Geological over on Instagram. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.